Well, let's get into the Word this morning. <clears throat> so good to enjoy the worship. Like I said, we've been around most Sundays anyway, but uh, it's always good to be home. We're on sabbatical. I remember talking to a ministry that deals with sabbaticals and pastors. They said, get away from your church. Get away from your church. I said, can't do that. <laughs> That's my church family. That's who I want to worship with. That's where I'm home, and it's refreshing. It's not a job. So, in fact, there's one little girl. She was lined up there for Kid Zone, and she turned to me. She said, oh, you're the one that owns the church? I said, yeah, you interested in buying? <laughs> no. Um, I said, no, 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 no. I said, actually, you guys own the church. I just work here. Uh, you're part of the body. So in any case, um, we're just excited for what the Lord's doing in our midst. And uh, he has so much more for us, not just to give to us, but to pour through us. You know, as I was saying in the first service, that it's hard to live in ministry for almost 40 years. And uh, one thing I've concluded over the years is that really the only ministry focus that will stand the test of time because there can be lots of trends, lots of fads in the church that come and go. But the only one that really stands the test of time is people. It's people. And it has to do with, uh, with what Jesus wants to do in growing us as believers. And he wants to move us from being just believers, if there's ever such a term, to actually being ministering people. People who minister the life of God. I believe that's what Jesus meant when he said that I will build my church. He's talking about the fact that I will build a people. And then he goes on to talk about saying that I will give you the keys of the kingdom. He's talking about actually equipping those people that he's building. He's building something in us. And our passion here at Glad Tidings has always been not to build a big church. It's been to build big people in the Lord, people who understand who they are and what they carry and, and the amazing opportunities the Lord gives us to actually experience a fullness of life that isn't about just the stuff we can accumulate. It has to do with what we can experience in the Lord and what can actually flow through us as we get to get in on what God is doing all around us and see him touching and changing lives. I really believe that that kind of church will not only thrive, but those are the kind of people who actually live and move in a spiritual understanding and a spiritual authority, as Jesus says, that the gates of hell will not be able to resist. Those are the people that see God do wonderful things. Now, if I was to ask us this morning, what do you believe? I think most of us could probably pretty easily articulate essentially what we believe as Christians. But the question I want to put to you this morning is how do you plan to actually minister what it is you profess to believe? How do you actually plan to convey that? How do you actually plan to, to do what it is that you profess to believe about the Lord? Jesus promised in Acts 1 and 8, we know it well. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be filled with what? With power. And you will be my witnesses, he says, even to the most remote places on the earth. You see, I'm absolutely convinced that Jesus wants every single one of us to experience something in him something in our walk with God, something of the Holy Spirit so that is so undeniably my own miracle that it becomes a way of life for me to expect the Holy Spirit to do that same kind of thing through me to others, that I actually expect the Holy Spirit to move through me with his love and with his power. And I want us to understand this morning, this power Jesus talked about, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be filled with power. This power is real. This power is not just a feeling. This power or the Holy Spirit is not just some kind of religious symbol. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is not just something that we actually talk about. Jesus promised us a very real power. And that word power in the Greek language simply means ability. I will give you the ability, Jesus says, to represent me effectively in this world. 
I will give you a real power that is actually able to love radically. I will give you a real power that actually cares and is concerned and gets involved. I will give you real power that is actually able to confront and identify and overthrow the works of darkness. I will give you a power that can bring healing to broken lives. Jesus said, it's that power that will actually make you my witnesses. It's not just what you believe. It's not just where we gather on a Sunday. There is actually a power and ability that is what will make you my witnesses. And the way that happens is that as you take the wealth of what you discover in your walk with the Lord, and then you actually begin to transmit that to other people. Because you see, everything the Lord is doing in my life, everything the Lord would do in our midst, it is not just for accumulation, right? It's for distribution. It's what the Lord wants to release through us. And as he's allowed to do that, he does so much more than we can ever imagine. He does so much more than we could ever just make up ourselves. The Apostle Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 12, verse 1, and by the way, I almost forgot. I made a little sticky note so I wouldn't forget. My mom's here this morning. Isn't that wonderful? And you're thinking, you have a mom? You know, remember what it was like when you run into your teacher at the mall when you were a kid? Like, you go to malls? You eat? You shop? Yeah. Anyways, my mom is here. So she's sitting by my lovely wife, Vanessa. Her name is Pearl. And uh, just make sure you all surround her later and give her a lot of love. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. He says, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to ignore them. I don't want you to discard them. I don't want you to think for a moment that you don't qualify to operate in them for some reason. The word spiritual is interesting. It's the Greek word pneumatikos, or pneumatikos, however you want to pronounce it. And it simply means this, empowered by breath or wind. Empowered by breath or wind. We get, for example, our English word pneumatic from that word. If you're familiar with the pneumatic tool, the pneumatic tool is something you hook up to a compressor an air compressor, and it, it, it works on the strength of that, that condensed air that comes through. It could be an, an impact wrench. It could be a paint sprayer. If you've ever uh, seen those jaws of life that the police or the EMTs use at a, in a car crash or something where everything's just crunched up, they stick that in there, and what do they do? That compressed air begins to force through, and it just has the power to open those jaws and to save the lives of those who are inside. And the Lord wants us to understand that the Holy Spirit who lives within us is not just in us to get a good feeling. There's this compression, there's this, there's this presence, there's this strength, there's ability that he wants to flow through us that actually give us a strength that we don't have in a natural. It's actually beyond our own heightened abilities. How many for a moment believe that, well, one of the reasons why Peter walked on water was because he was a fisherman? Right? I mean, Peter fished all of his life. If anybody could walk on water, it's Peter, right? You've been in a boat, what's the difference? Well, try it sometime. There's a big difference. Right? He didn't walk on water because he'd been around water all his life. He walked on water by the empowerment, the miraculous empowerment of Jesus Christ, right? Who sustained him in that. And in the same way to understand, there's a lot of us who grow up in the church and we've been around church things and Christian things and we kind of know how to do church. We kind of know how to live the Christian lifestyle. But it's kind of like Peter. And Jesus is saying, I know you're familiar with this environment, but I'm going to show you something different. 
And there's things the Lord calls us to. There's things the Lord wants to involve us in that will just blow us away, excite us, encourage us, help us to be channels of Holy Spirit ministry that, that are a next step beyond just what we can do ourselves. And there's a lot of good things that we can do ourselves, but we have limitations. The Lord doesn't have limitations. And he can do things that we can't do. So as you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe in you and through you, you actually begin to move in the gifts that the Lord has for you. And see, the thing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit is just like when you buy someone a gift, what do you look for? You don't look for the cheapest thing, right? <laughs> I'm just assuming. I mean, maybe you do. Bad example. Okay, but generally, you pick a gift with that person in mind, right? You're thinking, oh, they'll love this, that this is just what they need. And when the Holy Spirit gives you and me gifts, he knows what we need. He knows how to, how to make us useful in our lives and in his kingdom, and he makes those things available, but we need to understand they come from him. Now, the word gift, most of us remember, is the word charisma, right? You're talking about a charismatic person, someone who has an attraction, right? And so charisma, the word means actually grace or kindness, and the Lord wants us to understand that, that it's God's ability that he gives us that enables us to show kindness and grace to people around us in a way that actually attracts people to Jesus. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 2, Romans 2 and 4, that says it is the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads people toward him. And the Lord wants that kindness, that caring, that compassion to actually flow through us in a way that attracts people to the Lord or that actually makes us attracted to people and gives us a chance to introduce them to the Lord. And so if you are a Christian, if you name the name of Jesus Christ, he's your Savior, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. And if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you know what? You are a charismatic person. That's what you are. Tell the person beside you, you're a charismatic person. Go ahead. Even if you have to lie, you are a charismatic person. And what that means simply, okay, don't add anything. Don't embellish. Just say you're a charismatic person. Keep it simple. Okay, but you are. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are charismatic. And what that means very simply, once again, is the Lord is able to draw people to himself through you. You see, when Paul says concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. What he's saying is, I don't want you to be unaware of your inherent ability to attract people to Jesus. I don't want to be unaware of, of who it is who lives in you. And if you just allow him to begin to live through, if you would understand who he is and you begin to move through your day with understanding that everywhere I go, I have an opportunity for Jesus to show himself, you'll be amazed the encounters you will have and the things that God will do through you. He says, you have that ability. Now, the Bible also says in Romans 8, 14, that all who are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? The sons and daughters of God, right? Sons generic. It's, we are the children of God. As many who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now, we can read that phrase, as many as who are led, and say, well, that's just kind of synonymous for being a Christian. No, it's not. I mean, you are a Christian if that's true of you, but you're not automatically a Christian if this is not true of you. What I mean by that is that the Lord, or Paul is saying here, is that it actually describes not just a Christian person, it describes the lifestyle of those who are actually sons and daughters of God. 
If you are a son or daughter of God, you will or at least desire to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that all Christians in a general sense are, are led by God in the sense that he tries to get our attention sometimes. If we need him, we can turn to him, those kind of things. But Paul says there's actually increasing degrees of being led. And the more fully you choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, he says, the more completely you actually get in on what it is that God is doing around you and you don't miss it. You see, that is the abundant life that Jesus talked about. He wasn't talking about, you know, whoever knows me, I'll give abundance. That is, I'll give you lots of stuff. No, no. He says, those who know me, those who walk with me, you're going to be able to get in on stuff that only God can do. You're going to have, you're going to, have to make an impact in lives around you. And I really believe that as we stand on this threshold of a new season, that the fall season with all the busyness and starting new things, but also I believe a new season as a congregation in the call that the Lord has upon us, I really want to whet our appetites again to be a people who actually begin to move from what we believe to actually ministering what we believe, releasing, applying what it is we profess to believe. Well, this summer I had a chance to listen to a, a few podcasts. I'm at the gym, wrote for a walk. Excuse me, I hate drinking water while I'm speaking, but I haven't spoke for a while, a little dry. I was listening to a podcast from the UK, and they were interviewing a man by the name of Dr. Christian Bush. He's the author of a book called uh, Connect the Dots, The Art and Science of Creating Good Luck. And what I thought was really interesting is he says this, that in his research he observed that most people that you would call purpose-driven or most people that you would maybe call consider or consider lucky people, he said they have one thing in mind. He said they intentionally cultivate serendipity. They intentionally cultivate serendipity. Serendipity is defined as finding pleasing things that you had not been looking for. Finding pleasing things that you had not been looking for. And the reason you find these things is because you go through your day looking for those kind of things. You go through your day recognizing that there are many opportunities that we can either walk by or we can stop and live in that moment and actually see something unfold that we didn't expect that day. He said, for example, lucky people tend to see a little bit more in the unexpected moments. And then they connect the dots in those unexpected moments and then it turns into positive outcomes. Now, we don't put a whole lot of stock into luck, okay, as Christians. I'm not preaching a sermon this morning on luck. But I want to suggest that being led by the Spirit of God, that being sons and daughters of God certainly involves a measure of what I would call spiritual serendipity. What I mean by that, being led by the Spirit of God has to do with a mindset where I move into the day and I choose to be at least aware that God is at work around me, open to that, and open to whatever opportunities. There may or may not be some that day, but being open regardless of whatever opportunities there may be around me. For example, that's why in whatever setting it may be, Christian or non-Christian, you can have two people in the exact situation, and if the outcome is entirely different. Why? Because of mindset. Because of what one person is looking for, one person is not looking for. 
One person's expectant, one person is not expectant. For example, if you, if you read the story in John chapter 4, it won't take time to turn, but in John chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples have been ministering in the southern region of Israel called Judea. They're leaving Judea to go up to Galilee. They're going to pass through Samaria, which according to the disciples was a no-no at that time. Anyway, they were considered unclean, half-Jews, you know, dogs, whatever, in that day, and you just didn't go through there. Well, so now they're going to go through. Not only are they going to go through, but they kind of get halfway, and Jesus feels prompted to stop. He's just going to stop and rest at a well for a little while. Not sure exactly what's going on, but he's, going to, he's just going to listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, the disciples who aren't too thrilled about being in Samaria and are just thinking about getting to Galilee, what do they do? Okay, Jesus, you stay here. We're going to go on to the neighboring town. We're going to get some lunch. And so off they go. Probably a good thing anyway. Just they would have been in his way perhaps. So Jesus is at this well. And in the middle of the day, along comes this woman who happens by. She's all by herself. We find out in the story the reason she's by herself is she's kind of rejected by the people in her village. And so she can't come with the ladies in the cool of the day. She comes after they're all done getting their water. She comes by herself. She doesn't want to bother with the snickers and the, and the jokes and whatever the case may be, the innuendos. She just wants peace and quiet. She comes to the well to get some water. She meets Jesus. Now, it could have just stopped there because Jesus, number one, as a man, shouldn't be talking to a woman he doesn't know. And number two, as a Jew, he's been instructed, of course, culturally, that he's not to talk to Samaritans. In fact, when he starts the conversation, she basically says, what are you doing talking to me? Aren't you a Jew? I'm a Samaritan, right? So in the course of the conversation, what is Jesus doing? He's doing the same thing he's empowered you and me by the Holy Spirit lives within us. He's following the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have it all mapped out, I don't believe, any more than you and I do. What did he do? He obeyed one prompt, and it opened a bit of a door. He obeyed another prompt, and it opened another door. On and on he went and continued to minister. And as the conversation goes along, eventually she says, man, you must be the Messiah. She puts her faith in him as her Messiah. She's so excited. This encounter with God's love, she runs back to her village. Now, while she's gone, enter the disciples. They're full. They had their lunch. They're probably all ready to go again. Here you go, Jesus. We even brought you a little something. He says, that's okay, guys. I don't need it. What are you talking about? He says, I've got food you don't know anything about. And he wasn't being sarcastic. He was just saying what you and I say. No, you see, I was just involved in something, a God thing here. I'm not even thinking about food. It was so neat. It was so neat. And so they, they're thinking, well, somebody must have brought him food. And Jesus says, listen, guys, my nourishment is just to do the will of my Father. I mean, yeah, I eat, I enjoy a good meal, whatever the case may be, but you know what? That's not what, what I'm focused on. I'm not just focused on getting from here to Galilee. I'm not just focused on, oh, it's 12 o'clock, it's time for tea, whatever it may be. I want to know, God, what are you doing? Wherever I am, I want to live in this moment, and I want to see what you're doing. I want to be involved in that. And when I am, I don't even think about food. It is so awesome what God does. So anyways, as, as he's talking in the conversation, we recall, moves on to, he, he says, listen, guys, I'm telling you, because they're, they're training for ministry, right? He's saying, listen, guys, I'm telling you, don't say that the harvest is still a long way off. And as he's saying that, what's happening? The woman who went to her village and told them all the things Jesus said about her, they're all returning with this woman. So you've got dozens, if not hundreds of people that now are walking up the street toward the well, and they're all wearing the light clothes. You know, it's hot there, and they're moving toward Jesus. And what does he say? He's using this analogy. He says, don't say it's another four months until the harvest. I'm telling you, lift up your eyes. Look. And what are they looking at? They're seeing this crowd come. I'm telling you, the fields are already ripe unto harvest. I'm telling you, the fruit is already hanging low. There's open hearts all around you. This is nothing new. The only question is, do you take the time to notice? 
The only question is, are you open to that spiritual serendipity? Are you moving into your day expecting for God to do something? And if nothing special happens, you're kind of disappointed. Lord, did I miss something? Because I know you're at work. I remember the great evangelist, D.L. Moody. He, uh, he had a, a basic commitment before the Lord. He said, I will not go to bed at night until I lead at least one person to Christ. And there wasn't a day that he didn't lead one person to Christ. He didn't just preach before thousands. He led people to Christ as he just went through his day, sensitive to, open to the Holy Spirit. And many of us know what that's all about, right? We know what it is to have those divine coincidences happen in our life because we're open to it, at least sensitive if something happens, and then it happens, and we just feel this satisfaction, this nourishment that's just beyond anything normal that we have in that day, any meal, any other experience. We're just so excited to be in what God is doing. According to Dr. Bush, he said, studies have shown that if you see yourself as lucky, and again, I'm not preaching about luck this morning, okay? I don't have lotto numbers or anything in case you want to know insights here. But he says this, if you consider yourself or look at yourself as a lucky person, then you tend to be luckier. Why? Because you go through the day looking at the world differently, and you see opportunities that others don't see. And I want to suggest that if you understand who you are, if you perceive yourself as spiritual, if you understand that you are a person who actually has been empowered to minister what you believe, then you are going to begin to look for the unexpected. You are going to begin to see things that other people around you do not see. And that word perceive, it just comes to my mind right now, but it's a very important word, how you perceive yourself. Because you see, the Bible says that when Jesus preached the kingdom, he went everywhere preaching repentance. Now, we think of repentance as kind of just remorse and regret. No, repentance, the Greek word metanoia, means to change your mind. And what that means literally is this. It's what you do after having perceived. After you encounter truth, what do you do with that? And you see, the reason why repentance is a grace gift that we need to embrace, the reason why we need to walk in an attitude of repentance, and by that I don't mean self-flagellation and self-condemnation, but an attitude of repentance that is always open to listening to what the Lord is saying to me. Because he'll say things to me that counter the lies that surround me, or lies I've been told by other people or by culture, or lies I even tell myself and believe. He'll say, no, that's not right. Here's who you are. You're not lucky. You know what you are? You're blessed. You are blessed. You carry the presence of God everywhere you go. Every situation, you have divine options. You are never stuck. You are never at a dead end. You are never without options. That's who you are. And you see, repentance is saying, Lord, I believe you. And in believing you, I reject the lie that I've embraced about myself. I reject the lie that I'm not lucky, that I'm not blessed. I reject the lie that I'm nobody special. I reject the lie that you can't use people like me. You see, a lot of us, if we're honest, we would say, you know what? I, I so appreciate what, what I see God doing around us. I, the testimonies we hear sometimes or, or, you know, things that people share about what God's done in their life. You know, spiritual people. I, I really support that. But if I'm honest, I would also say, but you know what, Pastor? Those kind of things don't happen around people like me. And friends, I'm no different than you. I have those same thoughts. Oh, Lord, I never want to stand in the way of what you want to do. I never yada, 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 yada. But, Lord, that doesn't happen around people like me. I don't think you could use me that way. But see, the problem is 
I'm beginning to believe that it's something that I'm producing. I'm, I'm beginning to fall into that religiousness that says, well, uh, I've been on the water a lot on a boat, so I guess I can do anything regarding that. But I can't walk on water. Yes, you can walk on water. If Jesus says, I want you to walk on water, you can walk on water. If Jesus says, you know what, in this situation, I can minister something through you that you can't do, then he can minister something through you that you can't do because it's not about you getting credit anyway. It's about people, what, being attracted to Jesus by what they see flowing through you. But he just needs us to be a people who have a different mindset, who go into the same situation but see something different because we move through our day expectantly. We move through our day understanding who lives in us. i got to hurry along here. Dr. Bush uh, recounted an interesting experiment they did. They met a man named Wayne. And I apologize if your name is Wayne. doesn't mean this happens to you, but his name happened to be Wayne. And they interviewed Wayne. They said, Wayne, do you consider yourself lucky or unlucky? He said, I am unlucky. If I have any luck at all, it's bad luck. He said, I'm even jinxed. Well, they were determined to actually encourage this guy and to teach him that, you know, is this... this bad luck, is this just something you're fated for? Or does it have something to do with maybe you just missing opportunities? And so they did an experiment with them. They didn't let him in on some of the stuff they were doing because they wanted to, you know, get a genuine response. They said, okay, Wayne, here's what we're going to do. We want you, you got a dog, right? Yep, okay. Pat your dog in the morning for good luck. And then go through your day and let's see if anything happens. And so he does it. The next day he gets up, and before he walks off to work, he just worked down the street, he pats his dog. And the reason they get him to do that is because they at least want him to begin thinking about luck, about good fortune. So if he pats his dog, oh, he's reminded, okay, i got to look for good luck today. So he pats his dog, off he goes. While he's gone to work, they actually create a scratch card. And in that scratch card is a free flat screen TV. All he has to do is scratch the card, and they will give him a free TV. So they take that scratch card, put it on top of a few coupons, put it in his door to see what Wayne's going to do. Is Wayne going to just walk on by, take, that, take those coupons and throw them in the garbage? Or is he actually having been reminded about luck that morning? Is he going to scratch the card? What do you think Wayne did? Well, a couple of days later, they come back and say, Wayne, how was your week? Any good fortune the last couple of days? No, nothing at all. Same old, same old. He had thrown a free TV in the garbage. I mean, the scratch card. Not the TV. So they say, okay, we are determined we're going to help this guy discover that those good things happen around him. So another person disguises themselves as a market researcher. And they just go down the street that Wayne walks. He hadn't seen them before. And the experiment is this. We're just going to ask, pretend we're market researchers, we're going to ask for 60 seconds of your time to simply answer a question and leave it at that. Now, again, he's supposed to be thinking about, okay, there's opportunities around me. There's some good luck out there. And so some people had come before him, and the simple question was this. Can you name a few cuts of meat? And the person was, yeah, here's two or three cuts of meat. Great. Here's 50 bucks. What? Yep, 50 bucks. Wow. On they go. Along comes Wayne. Excuse me, sir. Do you have just 60 seconds for some market research? He says, no, I don't. I'm really busy right now. I'm going to head on to work, but I'll, I'll get you when I come back through. Well, Wayne never comes back through. And he misses the easiest 50 bucks you could ever make. So the poor researchers, they're getting frustrated. And they're really starting to feel bad for Wayne. And so they don't want to give up. So they're determined to help Wayne see that there's opportunities all around him. So here's what they do in a final desperate effort to give this guy some encouragement. Again, he doesn't have to walk far to work. But on his way to work, they see him coming. They take a $100 bill and they lay it on the ground on the path that he's walking. And what do you suppose poor old Wayne did? 
He never even noticed. He walked on past and he missed $100. So with this experiment, other experiments that they did on different people, the researchers came to two, I thought, really interesting conclusions. Number one, they said, we found through that research the importance of actually living in the moment. Living in the moment. It's not about where you need to get to, what you need to get done, what you've planned out ahead. It's living in the moment. They said, we discovered that those who saw themselves as lucky, they tended to be more aware of their surroundings and therefore more aware of opportunity. But those who had created in their mind this narrative over the years that they're basically unlucky people, he said they generally were unaware of the people around them and the opportunities around them. Does it sound like any Christians you know? Does it maybe sound like yourself? I know I can think that way sometimes. Yeah, I'm not as gifted as that person. I don't seem to have, you know, that ability or I don't feel like I'm even that spiritual, whatever the case may be. And we just shut down and stop seeing those things and we just move through our day. The second thing they observed, they said, was the importance of meditation and reflection. And what they meant by that very simply, they said, we found it's so much easier for people to connect the dots and see the potential around them for good when they're more grounded. When they just slow down, get quiet, and then they begin to change how they see the world and what they expect to get out of that day. And the same is true of us, of course, as believers, right? That we know that when we quiet our heart, as the Scripture says in Psalm 46, when I choose to be still, and know there's a God, and begin to know his heart, and to know his love. And again, not just for me, as encouraging as that is, but then I begin to get his heart for people. I begin to get his love for people. I begin to get a burden for maybe people in my workplace or in my neighborhood, whatever it may be. I begin to move through that day and realize that he's at work all around me, and he's welcoming me to get involved in what he is doing. You know, one of the decisions I've made during my sabbatical is that the older I get, the more I'm determined to resist deliberately getting stuck in my ways as a Christian. I'm just being content with what I've experienced, just being content with what it is I think I know or what theology I've gotten figured out. In fact, one of the simple words that came to my mind, and this might sound kind of corny, but it means something to me, is I just felt I really need to become more playful. Now you're thinking, Paul, you're crazy enough for those who know me. What do you mean more playful? Not taking life as seriously. And what I mean by that simply is, is purposefully, purposefully knowing and enjoying who's around me and what's going on around me. Because when you do that, it's amazing how these opportunities just begin to pop out of nowhere. I was down to the gym. I know you can tell, right, all summer. I got 15 pounds gone, okay? I got to talk to you, Jason. Get a new routine there. Anyways, it wasn't free to applaud. You know, I know I look good, but, but I was at the gym. I mean, better. I was at the gym. I don't even want to think of the story. It just came to my mind. Just a few weeks ago. And uh, I go to get the weights, and the guys are getting the weights. He looks at me and smiles. And so I smile back. And uh, I could have left it at that. But then I said, how's it going? Oh, 
Good, good. Been here long? Yeah, been here for long. Good gym, hey, great price, all that kind of stuff. Led one question. Next question, what do you do when you bring in here? I found he just moved here a year ago from France. Doesn't really know that many people. And we're getting together for coffee next week. Just out of the blue. Just stuff that you guys do, right? I'm driving down the street this past week. It was a Tuesday, one of those days where it's going to be pouring. Remember, it was pouring rain for a while there. This clouds are, it's all dark, ominous kind of thing. I'm driving along. I, I got stuff to do. I'm driving down the street. I got this stuff to do. Well, I'm driving down this one street where, uh, you know how it works in the city. If you got junk you want to throw away, you call the city. They say, okay, where the garbage truck is coming by your street on a particular day. So you might have a street that has all this old furniture, mattresses, stuff like that. So I'm driving along. And I pass, as I'm driving by, I pass this, this family of three, mother, uh, mother, uh, father, mother, and, and little girl. And uh, I notice they're uh, Latino, which is wonderful. Uh, but I'm thinking, probably not from here, or probably new to Moncton. And, uh, but I'm busy. So I just feel a prompting. Stop and ask if you can help. Because, you see, they're standing by this kitchen set, about five chairs and a table kind of thing. It's there. It's going to start pouring. And you can tell by the way they're looking at it, like, we could really use this. But we're just going for a walk, and we just happened upon this, and we don't know how to get this. You know, that's what I'm thinking, thinking in my mind. So I just pull over, and I say, hey, you know, can, you need a hand with something? You need to take this somewhere? And you can just see this relief on their face, like, oh, yeah, you know. So I said, okay, let's, 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 let's throw it in the car. Well, we didn't, have, we didn't have room for the daughter and mother, so we left them out in the rain, um, <laughs> which is the Christian thing to do, okay? <laughs> so um, I actually had an umbrella. So gave them the umbrella, because we were lugging this stuff, right? We are going to take it to where they lived. They actually lived, like, way down Ryan Road. And uh, so we started down there, and it starts to pour. I'm thinking, that stuff's getting soaked. And, you know, he didn't really have a place for it, because they just been here for a week, and they stayed with someone they met online, but they had to move the next day. So I said, look, let's bring it back to my place. And part of me is thinking, that way I get to stay in touch, right? So we bring it back to my place, and, uh, and then I said, okay, let's, let's take your daughter and your, and your wife and bring them to my place. I said, by the way, my wife is home. <laughs> we'll drop your, your, your family off, and we'll, we'll grab the stuff. Anyways, made two or three trips. Long and short of it is, we got to meet this wonderful, wonderful family. We've had them over for dinner. I think they'll probably be here next Sunday, whatever the case may be. But it's just stuff, you know, normal stuff that, that you folks do as well, right? But what is it? It's just not getting through my day, Right? It's just going through our day, recognizing, Lord, you are just setting up opportunities all around us. The question is, am I open to that spiritual serendipity? Am I open to things happening in my day that I wasn't expecting? Prodding a little more, asking a couple other questions that I actually care about, conversations opening that maybe I wasn't anticipating, and all of a sudden there's ministry going on, or there's encouragement, or there's love, whatever the case may be. Any case, a bit of a long story, but I just want to encourage your heart. Because you see, if we move through our day just, just making our day about where we have to go and what we got to get done, then we always miss those hidden things around us. And when you miss those hidden things, that's when we stop experiencing the abundant life that Jesus is talking about. Because I believe that's really what is all wrapped up in that. Because when you're led by the Spirit, when you live in the moment, when you engage with people at deeper levels, what happens is that your faith becomes more meaningful, it becomes more genuine, it becomes more authentic. And we actually begin to understand what it means to walk with Jesus through the course of the day. Well, it was announced earlier this morning, I'm going to wrap up just sharing this with you real quick, but, but next week... 
Uh, we have a wonderful friend of Glad Tidings, a guest. His name is Jason Chin. Uh, he, he's a started and a founder and, 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 and leader of a ministry called Love Says Go Academy. Jason's heart is just to love the church and to help believers just to get freed up and activated in just ministering in the marketplace. You know, there's a lot of stuff that we can organize. We do outreaches. We do different things. We organize ourselves. That's fine. But really what it's all about is helping us to get comfortable to just hear the voice of the Lord through the course of the day at the office, at the neighborhood, driving down the street, whatever it may be, and again, just seeing the Lord open those beautiful opportunities that we get to share with Him. So I always like to kind of have a speaker first if we can so you can meet them and then you go on from there. So some of you who are new to Glad Tidings, you wouldn't have met, met Jason yet, but uh, actually Jason travels the world. They just finished a whole summer of outreach in Europe, and uh, his schedule is so busy that he's really dialed down being at church. But I just say this for us, that uh, he says, Paul, he says, but Glad Tidings, I have a special relationship with you guys. Don't know what it is, but I love you. You're my home church kind of thing. He says, he says I want to stay in touch. I still want to come. I still want to be involved at Glad Tidings. So I just think we're blessed to be able to have that kind of person, that caliber of believer. But that's his heart. So what we're doing is Saturday... We have a seminar uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We'll have a lunch hour break. And it's not just sitting back, listening to a lecture. It's, it's participation. It's exploration. It's learning. All that kind of stuff. You'll really enjoy it. But these are some of the topics that, are become, that we're going to be discussing. He's going to be talking about how do you overcome that fear? That fear of stepping out when you feel prompted. That fear of, of stopping and asking somebody if you can help. That fear of, of maybe, well, what if it doesn't work out? What if I'm embarrassed? Whatever. How to get over that fear of man. He's going to be talking about hearing God for yourself how to recognize the voice of the Lord, and also in times where the Lord wants to lay something in your heart to speak to somebody else that only God would know, how do you do that? And in fact, for those who remember the Love Says Go Academy, Terry Spencer, a single mom down in Mississippi, um, she just has uh, just a, a heart to hear God, and she has crazy stories of simple ways God has used her. She's going to do a little half-hour video teaching for us as well on the topic. Also, sharing the gospel, just a simple, concise way to articulate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then also, again, ministering, healing, or whatever gift it may be, right? Because even though we may be fishermen, it doesn't mean we can what? Walk on water, right? And so the Lord wants to help us to minister in the practical gifts he has given us, but there's also times you need more than just what you can do yourself. And then, of course, probably the most important thing I asked Jason to share about is just how do you stay in that flow? Not just for a seminar, not just for a few weeks or months. How do you cultivate a lifestyle that is actually growing and growing in these things that you're seeing the Lord do many wonderful things through you? So again, when I said this morning, the Lord said, I will build my church. He was referring to growing believers into ministering people. But friends, one thing I've learned over years of ministry and walking with the Lord, if you're going to be a ministering person, it's something you have to intentionally cultivate. It doesn't just happen. It's something that you have to intentionally sustain in your walk with Jesus Christ. If not, you know what a lot of our Christianity is today in the Western culture? It's just basically being nice Christian boys and girls. That's really what a lot of it is. And it's not that we shouldn't be nice people and all that kind of stuff, but there's a whole different dimension the Lord has made available to us. In fact, one of the things we've seen over the years is different moves of God. I've been in the church long enough. I've seen renewal and different kind of revivals and things. And all the time, the Lord is trying to restore those gifts to his people. But I believe one of the reasons why in the Western churches, at least, we've fallen so short is because we, we've allowed those gifts to kind of stop at the platform. And we've kind of thought, well, you know, we just, we just have certain gifted people, gifted leaders, whatever. And so we come to hear what they have to say. We come to see what it is God's doing through them. And the Lord will use that person, but I believe the Lord is frustrated, saying, no, I intend this for all of you. This is not for the platform. It's for my people. 
I will build a people whom I will equip. And everywhere they go, they will have an understanding of who they are. They will have an authority. They will push back darkness. They will minister the love and the life and the power of God wherever they go. It may be through a simple gesture of helping somebody move furniture. It may be through something like praying for a sick person, anything in between. But what do they see? They see the charisma of God. They see a kindness. They see a grace. And that begins to draw people toward the Lord that we serve. All who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We say that with me? All who were led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You see, friends, when we understand who we really are, when we really begin to understand who we carry everywhere we go, we actually begin to look for those unexpected opportunities that are hidden throughout the day. But we begin to see those things, right? Because we understand we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. And the Lord blesses us. Why? To make us a blessing. Would you bow your heart with me as the worship team closes with this song this morning? And as they do, it's called Fresh Wind. I want to invite you this morning just to open your heart to a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. You see, to be spiritual is to understand that it's the breath of God. It's the Spirit of God at work in us that makes us alive and makes our faith alive and brings that fullness that Jesus promised. So as they sing this song this morning, would you just open your heart for a moment and say, Jesus, would you just come and bring that freshness this morning? As I begin this new week in the fall, I don't want to just run through the fall. I don't want to just get back into the, the, rut, the, uh, the rut and the, the grind of work and school and everything else. Lord, I want to move through my days with intentionality. Just take a moment and just open your heart as the team sings before we close this morning. Thanks for listening to the GT Moncton podcast. For full services, head over to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or want to get connected, go to gtmoncton.com and follow us on social media at GT Moncton to stay up to date on what's happening here at GT. God bless.